Good morning for Tuesday, July 11th, 2017. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news on the front page. Trump's son was told of Moscow Link. Iraq celebrates a win in Mosul as rifts widen. And Trump aides turn to businessmen on Afghanistan. In today's national headlines, longtime foes of birth control unravel policy. Where wildfires smolder a forecast for more. And Seattle sets income tax. In today's business headlines, Russian firms said to cause lapse over Crimea. Novel way to curb drug costs is drawing interest. And Abercrombie and Fitch ends discussion to sell itself. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and New York Times columnist David Leonhardt. Now, as chosen by the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories written from Washington. Trump's son was told of Moscow Link. Before arranging a meeting with the Kremlin-connected Russian lawyer he believed would offer him compromising information about Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump Jr. was informed in an email that the material was part of a Russian government effort to aid his father's candidacy, according to three people with knowledge of the email. The email to the younger Trump was sent by Rob Goldstone, a publicist and former British tabloid reporter who helped broker the June 2016 meeting. In a statement on Sunday, Trump acknowledged that he was interested in receiving damaging information about Clinton, but gave no indication that he thought the lawyer might have been a Kremlin proxy. Goldstone's message, as described to the New York Times by the three people, indicates that the Russian government was the source of the potentially damaging information. It does not elaborate on the wider effort by Moscow to help the Trump campaign, there is no evidence to suggest that the promised damaging information was related to Russian government computer hacking that led to the release of thousands of Democratic National Committee emails. But the emails likely to be of keen interest to the Justice Department and congressional investigators who are examining whether any of Trump's associates colluded with the Russian government to disrupt last year's election. American intelligence agencies have determined that the Russian government tried to sway the election in favor of Trump. Alan Futerfus, the lawyer for the younger Trump, said his client had done nothing wrong but pledged to work with investigators have contacted. In my view, this is much ado about nothing. During this busy period, Robert Goldstone contacted Don Jr. in an email and suggested that people had information concerning alleged wrongdoing by Democratic Party frontrunner Hillary Clinton in her dealings with Russia, he told the Times in an email on Monday. Don Jr.'s takeaway from this communication was that someone had information potentially helpful to the campaign, and it was coming from someone he knew. Don Jr. had no knowledge as to what specific information, if any, would be discussed. It's unclear whether Goldstone had direct knowledge of the origin of the material. One person who was briefed on the email said it appeared that he was passing along information that had been given to him by others. Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, and Paul Manafort, the campaign chairman at the time, also attended the June 2016 meeting. Representatives for Kushner referred requests for comments to an earlier statement, which said he voluntarily disclosed the meeting to the government. 
A spokesman for Manafort declined to comment. But at the White House, Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders was adamant. No one within the Trump campaign colluded in order to influence the election, she said. Next on today's front page, Iraq celebrates a win in Mosul as rifts widen. Reported from Mosul, Iraq by Timarango. The fighting is all but over in Mosul, and the billboards are already up. Hastily raised signs in which the government urged the city's Sunni residents to turn the page from the terrorist of the Islamic State. As Prime Minister Haider al-Albadi visited Mosul to declare victory and call for unity, civilians on the longer-secured east side of the city danced and waved Iraqi flags. Some called for brotherhood between Sunnis and Shiites. It is a moment for Iraqis to celebrate after nearly nine months of bloody warfare against the Sunni extremists of the Islamic State. But despite the flaring of hope for a new national unity, the government's costly victory in Mosul and the questions hanging over its aftermath feel more like the next chapter in the long story of Iraq's unraveling. Most pressing is the need to bring back hundreds of thousands of displaced Sunni civilians. But Iraq has failed to rebuild and resettle some other communities freed from the Islamic State as tensions between the Sunni minority and the majority Shiite still undermine efforts to reunite the country. Reports of past abuses by the Shiite-controlled government and its security forces and militia allies against Sunni families have kept sectarian divisions fresh. And with no sectarian reconciliation process to speak of, any setback in the resettling of Mosul could dangerously add to the list of grievances. For the mostly Sunni residents of Mosul, there are the devastating after-effects of living under the Islamic...